Okay. Well, praise the Lord. We are here at Gospel Lighthouse Church on Sunday night. What an amazing opportunity we have to join together through Facebook. We are certainly glad that you're watching this video. We uh, are in South Bossier City. Our address is 4350 Panther Drive in Bossier City. Now, we are a non-denominational, spirit-filled church down in South Bossier, so if you want to stop by, please come and see us. We have uh, services in the sanctuary on Wednesdays at 7 o'clock. That's our Bible study night. Then we also have uh, Sunday mornings at 1045 in the sanctuary. That's our main service. Uh, but right now, we are still doing Sunday nights right here on Facebook. So we're thankful for the opportunity to bring our messages to you and hope uh, whether you're watching with us live or if you're going to catch this uh, later, we are certainly thankful for that. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open them up to Romans chapter 13. And while you're doing that, we'll let you know that we uh, are planning on uh, getting back into our prayer meetings. We're looking at adding the Monday and maybe even the Friday night prayer meetings back. Um, as long as we are socially uh, hygienic and in compliance with everything, we are planning on it. Uh, so... If you are a prayer warrior and you want to come pray with us, we're certainly uh, hoping and planning on having something very soon. Now, in, our, in, our, in the Word of God tonight, we're going to begin, like I said, in Romans 13. Before we begin, we will uh, open with the Word of Prayer. And while we go through this, um, if you have questions or comments or if you have prayer requests, you can always... Uh, put them in the comments below, or you can message us uh, at the church through messenger or email or any which way possible. Okay, well, with that said, let's go ahead and pray, and then we're going to get into the Word tonight. All right, Father, we thank you for the opportunity to open up our Bibles. Lord, I ask for that anointing to preach and teach as you desire. And Lord, we ask for that anointing to hear and to receive, and Lord, we ask it in Jesus' holy name. And everybody says, amen and amen. So Romans chapter 13, we're going to be beginning in verse number 11. And I was thinking of a title for this message, and I'm not very good at titles, but it would probably be something like, we're striving to be socially hygienic, but we are not socially acceptable. Whenever a man or a woman of God strives to be socially acceptable, they usually will begin to drift away from the heart of God. Uh, we can be precise with our words. We can, be, we can have precision with our terminology that deals with theology. But if we are missing the Spirit of God in our walk, it is vanity. In fact, whenever you look back at the life of the Pharisees, they had theological precision. They could, they could literally thread the needle with their religiosity. Yet, even in their threading of the needle with their precise words, they were on target with their words, they still missed God. And so one of the, one of the dangers that we see in the church world today is that many people are attempting to kind of thread the needle and walk a tightrope or a balance line, a balance beam, and not trying to offend the world and yet carry the prophetic voice of God. And it's never fun to get in that position, but we have to honor God first. As the uh, disciples said, um, you know, whether it's better to please God or man, it is God. It is better for us to honor God in what we do. And so there are times, and we have to, as believers, come to grips with this. There are times in our lives, and especially in the coming days, that we must be ready to be socially unacceptable to many people. In fact, in the last days, Jesus said that, that people will turn against you, they will 
They will put you in prison. They will want to kill you. They will think it's good when they turn you in. Um, and so there will become a time when it is extremely socially unacceptable to be a believer. Right now, uh, we can see just the beginnings of it, and it's been going on for a while, and it's going to continue to go on until the Lord returns. Uh, don't ever get in, into this boat about you know striving for Zion before Jesus comes back. Uh, the Lord's going to come back and reestablish that Davidic throne and set up that millennial reign. But until that time, we're going to see the world pushing back against the bride of Christ. So, with that said, we're going to begin in Romans 13, beginning in verse number 11. The Bible says, And that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Now, the salvation that he's talking about, obviously, is the redemption from, of Jesus Christ. It is when Christ comes to redeem us out of the earth, when, when the, there's a separation of, of the lambs and the sheep, the sheep and the goats. When that separation takes place, that's going to be a different deal. But the apostle is telling us it's time to wake up out of our sleep. And how many of us can realize that the church world oftentimes has been asleep? And now he's not literally talking about asleep. Now I know that in some churches people sleep on the pews or in the chairs and they, you know, you may try to catch a nap while the pastor's being long-winded. But he's not talking about that kind of sleep, you know. That's the kind of sleep that you need a good neighbor to nudge you and, you know, wake you up a little bit. But the sleep that the apostles talking about here is a spiritual slumber or a spiritual stupor. Now, if, if you've ever walked with God for very long, there's been a time in your life where you've kind of got lackadaisical in your faith. And this is speaking to someone who's gotten lackadaisical, but they never got out of it. And you get into this place of slumber and sleep where you're not walking according to the power of the Spirit of God. The same spirit that is in other believers is also in you if you're a child of God. And so you have to know that they don't have access to something you don't have. You, you have just as much right as a child of the king to access the power of God. But if you're not willing to pay that price, and what we mean by that is, as uh, the Lord said, tarry in Jerusalem till you're endued with power from on high. It is through prayer and supplication and waiting on God that we become empowered by the Spirit from on high. And any person who uh, absents themselves from waiting on God and sitting at His feet and praying and seeking that anointing that comes from His Spirit will absent themselves from that and then when you see other people you may get discouraged because you'll see well they have they have something i don't have listen friend god is no respecter of persons if you seek you will find when you seek with all your heart god does not bless some and not others based on their personhood but on their demand on the way that they come to God the way that they pray the way that they wait if half of the upper room in the book of Acts chapter 2 would have not tarried they would have not received the Holy Ghost and we have to come to grips with that as believers that we uh, Leonard Ravenhill he said one time I love to quote him oftentimes but he said one time you have as much of God as you want you know, if, if you really are in a place where you say, I wish I had more God, I wish I had more of this, well, nothing is stopping you. There is no way that the enemy can stop you from going to the throne this very minute. There's no way that the enemy can stop you from getting closer to the Lord this very minute. And as believers, he said, knowing the time, the time being at hand as we get closer to the end days, it is high time. To awake out of sleep. Now look at verse number 12. Look at verse number 12. This is an important verse. He says, The night is far spent. The day is at hand. 
Now, you know that the night is where the enemy works. The, the night is where the enemy whispers those sweet nothings in your ear and tells you that you're no good, tells you that you've missed it, tells you that you've blown it, tells you that you're, you're a little David and the enemy's a big Goliath. The, the night is what encroaches against you, against your family, against your loved ones, against your church, against your nation. The night is what encroaches. But listen, it's not going to be night forever. Amen? It's not going to be night forever. It, you know, the, the, it, it's only night for a little bit of time, and then the morning comes. And when Jesus comes back, the morning is going to break forth. The light of Jesus Christ is going to break through the night that characterizes this dark world. And when Jesus Christ splits the sky, every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So it will be no more night soon and very soon. But look what he says. The night is far spent, so don't, don't give up. It's almost over. We got we to gotta hold fast to the end. We have to be faithful to the end. When Jesus was writing to the church of Smyrna, they were the faithful church. He didn't rebuke them, but what he did is he said, carry on. I want, uh, he said, I'm praying for you that you will be faithful to the end. And what he called them to do was to lay down their lives, to, to let go of their mortal lives. And, and that, was their, uh, that was their calling from God. But notice, he said, the night is far spent. So it's almost over. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. It's almost over. How, how great is it going to be whenever the, the sin and darkness and the devil has been exposed? The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Look what he says. Let us, therefore, cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Now, as believers, we shouldn't be walking in darkness anyhow, but notice it is, it, it, and as the light is breaking out and as the day is approaching, we need to be even more, uh, more careful that we are not walking in any part of darkness. And so one of the things that we want to see here is that um, how God characterizes this walk between darkness and light. And he says here to put on the armor of light. Armor of, uh, is, is for the battle. Armor is for the battle, but when you're in a battle, you know who's who by what the armor there is. And if you are a child of God, you have an obligation to possess and walk in the light of glory jesus said he's the light of the world and anyone that follows him would not walk in darkness so it's not the spirit of god that leads us into paths that are not godly um, and, and for the context on that let me take you over uh, to first john let me take you over to first john for context on that i want to look at light for just a second so first john chapter number one actually so first john chapter number one you keep your finger there in romans because i got to come back to that but first john chapter one and i want to look at the light here in verse number five john the beloved this is what he said this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that god is light and in him is no darkness at all so if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness we lie and do not the truth so the you know one of the things that you would characterize our current church climate as is trying to ride the fence trying to have one foot in the darkness and one foot in the light we're bringing the ways of the world we're even bringing the songs of the world into the church houses and, and shame on the churches that are doing that we're bringing in uh you know all kinds of crazy stuff i saw one church brought in a marvin gay song one church brought in stand by me We've got all this kinds of ungodly foolishness because people are trying to ride the fence and keep one foot in the world and one foot in the church trying to combine the light and the darkness. But the Bible says clearly, clearly here that if we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. You cannot do both. God is light 
and in him is no darkness at all. And so when we look at the things of the world, and we're going to look at those things, but you can characterize the, the things of the world just by things that are ungodly. Things that are ungodly. And then you look at the things that are light. These are the things that come from God. The Spirit of God, the way of God, the truth of God. And notice verse number 7. This one is, is going to be key for where we're going to take this message. It says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So notice here that it is not that these people don't need cleansing, so they're just so righteous and goody two-shoes and holier than thou that they don't, they don't need any help. No, it's that we need to be cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. We realize it, we take it to the Lord, and then we walk in the newness of life. As that woman that was caught in adultery, when, when she was at Jesus, and uh, you know, she said, you know, are you going to condemn me? He said, no. But you remember what Jesus told her? He said, go and sin no more. That woman was, could have rightfully been stoned by Jesus because she was a sinner. But Jesus said he did not condemn her. Now go and sin no more. So it's important to understand that God calls us to walk in the light. And when we do that, not only are we following him, not only are we following him, but the Bible says we have fellowship one with another. And so as we are cleansed by the blood of Jesus and then follow him in his light, what happens is God unites us with fellow believers. There will be people from different walks of life. There will be people from that don't look like you, that come from different economic backgrounds, different social backgrounds, that come from different parts of the earth. There will be all kinds of people, but yet they will be put into one body. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that we were baptized into one body. All believers are baptized, or you know, maybe a crude way of saying it is we're all dumped into the body of Christ. We're all, we're all put into one body, so there's no division within the body of Christ. Or maybe a better way to say it is there ought not be any division in the body of Christ. But we see those that walk in fellowship with God, that walk in the light, that have their sins cleansed by His blood. These people are united by these two truths. Their sins are forgiven by the blood of Jesus, and they walk after God. We're not to be united by the color of our skin, the color of our hair, where we're born from. We shouldn't be united by being Greek, barbarian, Scythian, male, female, because we know that in Christ we're all one. And so it's important to see that um, as believers, but notice that it is God's calling us to walk in the light. This is the same exact thing that Paul was talking about when he said, put on the armor of light. In other words, let the light of God shine. Let the light of God have its perfect way in your life. If you don't know this, but light, it, you know, light is a perfect disinfectant. One of the best disinfectants you can have is light. Just shine the light on the situation and let God's light begin to reveal things in your own life, in your own heart. Say, Lord, search me. Try my ways, God. Try my heart. You know that our hearts, the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 17, that our hearts are deceitfully wicked. Our hearts deceive us into thinking that we're all good, that everything's fine, and, you know, not to rock the boat, and other people are worse than us. But our hearts deceive us, and so we need God's light to shine and expose those things so that we can confess those things and ask for forgiveness and then begin to walk in that light. The armor of light is God's light shining through you into other people's lives. You know that whenever you're walking in the light, you know what happens? People that walk in the darkness will shun it. How do we know this? Because when Jesus walked on this earth, 
His light made people turn away from him. If you go back and you read John chapter 1, the Bible says that, that Jesus came into the world and darkness comprehended him not. They, darkness turned away from him. They rejected. The darkness rejected the light. The darkness didn't want anything to do with the light. And, and in the same way, when God's light is shining in you and therefore through you, the people that are walking in darkness around you will reject you. And that's why I was saying you got to come to a point, and we're going to see this in the upcoming days, that you have to come to a point where you are okay with being socially unacceptable. You have to come to that point where you would rather God's light shine through you than society's light shine through you. Who are you reflecting more? Who are you reflecting more? The, the, the person that looks acceptable to the world or the person who is acceptable and pleasing unto God? Now, if those things run incongruent, well and fine. But if they don't, if they run in opposition to each other, then we must stand on the side of God. We must stand on the side of God Almighty, and we must go ahead and, and just say, you know what, if it cost me my life, or it cost me my job, or it cost me my home, I will say what I have to say, I will stand on God's word, I will stand on God's truth, come what may. And, and we see this going on in the world today because there's a, a dividing line that is breaking out where you have to make a decision on whether you're going to support groups that support homosexuality or sodomy uh, um, or, or these groups that support abortion or these uh, racist groups. This One of the most ungodly things that enter into the church is this critical race theory, this social justice thing that's been preaching down the throats of, of congregations. And, 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 and it's sad, but I, I hear people saying, I wish that our, our church would get off of that stuff. But, you know, it's coming and it's going to come in more and more because that's what the world wants. And sad to say, a lot of people, they don't preach what God wants them to preach. They preach what they think is socially acceptable. And because it is socially acceptable to preach a social justice gospel, that's what's coming out of pulpits. Why? Because we got to keep the offering buckets going. And that's the sad reality that we find many people on. Now, Let's go back to Romans chapter 12, and I want to touch, I want to circle back in here and, and get in a little bit deeper on, on this passage, this section of Scripture. So we're called as believers to cast off works of darkness. If, you, if you're just tuning in, we're in Romans chapter 13, and verse 12 is where we're at right now. We just took a little detour into 1 John uh, just to kind of go a little bit deeper on this light and, and darkness situation here. So verse 12, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Cast off the works of darkness. Notice it says let us cast off the works of darkness. That means that we have that obligation to turn away from the things that take us away from God. In, in, in each one of us, we go through different situations and we face different battles. But if there's something that you're getting involved in that's leading you away from God, then you must cast it off whatever it may be. It may be something that's precious to you. It may be a society that you're a part of. It may be some kind of group that you're with. It may be uh, something that you watch on Facebook or YouTube or some TV show. But if there are, there are things that are, are you're allowing darkness to be sown into you, you must cast those things off. Um, right now is the time that light must shine. Now is the time that light must shine. Now, that, that's probably a, a silly statement. It, it, it goes without saying, as crazy as our world is becoming, the world needs the light of Jesus Christ now more than ever. And yet, instead of letting the armor of light be seen, we are cloaking ourselves in imitating the world. We're trying to appease the world. We're trying to look socially acceptable to other people rather than letting the armor of light, letting that reflection of who Jesus is and what he's done for you shine into the dark world. This is God's calling on our lives, that we, that we share our testimony. You know, the Bible says in the book of Revelation that they overcame, right, by the blood of the Lamb 
and the word of their testimony. These martyrs, they overcame because they testified that God saved them, that they were sinners, that they deserved hell, but God had mercy on them, God was patient with them, and God saved them when they believed the gospel, when they received that death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for their own sins, and believed in their heart that God raised him from the dead, and confessed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And, and, and that light is what we're supposed to be shining today more than ever. The armor of light will go before you. So many beautiful passages in the Old Testament, it says that God's light will go before you. God's light will shine about you. The reflection of God will be upon you as you testify and are a living testimony unto God's mercy. God's mercy that he's given you through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, so important that we see that there is a clear distinction between works of darkness and armor of light. Um, and, and, you know, there might have been a time in the church's history when it was okay to play. It was okay to, you know, do this and do that. But right now, the world is literally on fire. The world is brewing. The world is searching for answers. The world is angry. The world is getting a mob mentality. It is bloodthirsty. It is turning violent. It is, you know, turning on each other. It's turning on Christians. Now's the time that the light needs to be seen. If there's ever been a time that we need to be sold out and giving our testimony and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is now, my friends. It is now. So this armor of light, it not only uh, shines, but notice that it, there's a layer of heavenly protection that comes with it. As you stand up for the Lord, the Lord will stand up for you. When, when, if you deny Jesus before men, he said, I will deny you before my father. But if you will confess him before men, he said he would confess you before the father. And, and, and so this armor of light, there's a, a layer of protection that God provides for those that are willing to put their life on the line. And you know what? This is what we should do. You should look at it as, as, you know, these people are hopeless. They are without God. They have no light to walk in. And if you know the truth, you have an obligation to share it. Have an obligation to share it. Now, let's look at verse number 13. He said, let us walk honestly. Let us walk honestly. As in the day. Hon honestly here just means true. Let's be true. Let's not put on a facade. Let's not try to be someone we're not. Let's not try to make ourselves appear to be that which we uh, are not. Let's, but let's be truthful in how we walk. Let us walk honestly as in the day, listen to this, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Now, it, it, it goes without saying, but in our generation, we have to say it. God's not for rioting. We have to say it. God's not for rioting. God's not for drunkenness. God's not for chambering or wantonness or strife or envy. Now, this passage here, each one of these things means something different, but it is, you know, vital that you see that if you are striving for some political or societal issue and you are rioting, you are not walking according to the light of God. And if you are supporting a group that supports the riots, if you are supporting a group that is helping to sow discord for riots, if you are rooting for the rioters, if you are rooting for those looters, if you are rooting for more havoc and more chaos and more 
writing, you are not on the side of God, my friend. There are groups that are out there in the world today that are seeking to destroy and dismantle the fabric of our society. Why? Because we live in a nation where we can freely publish the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is not our money that the world wants. It hates the liberty that we have to preach Jesus. We are the foremost leader. Now, I, I will contend with anybody. We do. We have some false gospel in our nation. We have word of faith heretics, and we have Mormons, and we have Jehovah's Witness. We have all kinds of issues. But in spite of all that, we still have more missionaries and more Bibles and more Christian literature produced in our nation than any other nation. And that's what the world hates about our society. And we must see that in this passage here, this is not a political statement. This is not a societal statement. This is not a pro this or a pro that. This is God saying rioting is not from the day writing is from the darkness writing is from this this place that comes not from god and and, and it goes without saying that drunkenness is the same thing drunkenness is when listen I, and i'll say this as someone who was delivered from being a drunk drunkenness is when you are looking to something other than god to meet your need drunkenness is when you're not satisfied with life and you're at the bottom of the barrel and you're it, there's all kinds of different reasons that people are alcoholics, but I want you to know that true everlasting joy is found at the feet of Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. Joy comes and joy is in the presence of the Lord. That's where the fullness of joy is. And so uh, drunkenness we know, and, and, and it's sad to say, but you have to say that in our generation that that has a lot of drunkards even as uh, church leadership. But, but no man or woman of God, no prophet, no prophetess, no deacon, no pastor, nobody like that should be involved in any kind of drunken behavior. This is not of God, and, and, and it's a shame that we have to say rioting is not of God. It's a shame we have to say that drunkenness is not of God. But you know what? Paul had to say it back then. And if Paul had to say it back then, we live in the day and the age of the internet and, and, and all kinds of ugliness that's out there. We have to say it even now. You know, one of, one of Paul's disciples was Timothy. Timothy uh, is, you know, first and second Timothy. And, and it was like Paul's own son. And Timothy was that pastor in Ephesus, and, and he led churches, and he was a man of God. And do you know that he was martyred? Many, many people may not know that he was martyred, but you know why he was martyred? He was martyred because he was trying to stop a parade that was uh, basically a Mardi Gras parade uh, to one of the false Greek gods that lead these Mardi Gras parades. And they were carousing, they were drunk, they were immoral and immodest and they were rioting and they were lewd and he tried to stop the parade he stood in front of it and rebuked it and they beat him and drug him out of town and stoned him to death and i want you to know that timothy was highly favored of god Timothy was highly favored of God, and he laid down his life for the truth of God. And we live in a generation now where these kinds of things, may we may see these even in our lifetimes, and that's something that we probably never thought would happen. Something that, you know, those old-timers like David Wilkerson and these people back in the 70s and 80s used to prophesy about, and everybody laughed at them and thought they were false prophets because they were preaching all this doom and gloom. And one of the foremost prophecies that they preached was that there was going to be fires in every major city in America, and there would be race riots. And look where we are now. Look where we are now. So the, the things that he's talking about here is rioting and drunkenness. And then the next one that he's touching on is chambering. Now, that's a word that you may not be used to. Uh, chambering is, is, your, is the bedroom. And, and there's two ways that you would look at this. One way that you could look at it is this is, you know, fornicating or adultering a lifestyle. Somebody who, you know, stays in the bed. 
or it's also someone who uh, doesn't work, who somebody who doesn't go out and, and tend to the sheep, somebody who doesn't go out and tend to the garden, but they are dependent upon others because they can't get off the couch. Uh, maybe a better way to say it in our generation would be couch potatoes. Uh, don't, don't be caught up in letting somebody else work for you, letting somebody else provide for you if you're able to provide for yourself. That's something that, you know, our, our, our children's children, they're not learning that. They're learning to get their hand out and go to the line that the government tells them to go into instead of if they're able-bodied going out and working if possible. But this chambering is, is, is there in wantonness is where you're going outside the rule of law, outside the rule of law or outside what is acceptable in God's eyes. Wantonness means you're kind of wandering on your own way and doing your own thing. You, you've kind of become your own umpire, your own judge. You will not let anybody judge you. You won't be, let anybody bring a rod of correction. You won't let anybody speak a word in due season into your life, but you are going your own way and making your own way and it's not God's way that's what a wanton behavior is and then the last two that we know is strife and envy and that's uh, where strife right now is destroying so many people so many churches it's destroying our church uh, destroying our nation we we have uh, discord being sown into people whether it's by racial tension or, or or political division it could be you know this race versus that race or Republican versus Democrat or rich versus poor or you know this versus that it, and this strife is being sown in and then envying is one of those things that if you believe people have it better than you and you're not walking in the in the light of God, you're going to be like Cain and you're going to want to take what you don't have. It's like whenever Cain saw Abel's sacrifice and Abel's sacrifice was pleasing to God, God told Cain, you can do the same thing. Be careful. Sin is crouching. Sin is at your door. Don't give in to it, Cain. And instead of doing what was right himself, he wanted to pull Abel down. And you see, whenever somebody is given over to strife and envy, their desire is not to come to where God is and to please God themselves. It is to bring other people down. They envy where other people are and they want to pull them down. So these are the things that Paul's talking about is part of the darkness. This is rioting and drunkenness and chambering and wantonness and strife and envy. Now, we are called to walk according to a different system and a different way. A different system and a different way. Look at verse number 14. So that, that was all part of the darkness. Look at verse 14. But... Put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ means to walk in him, to walk in his light. It is to allow God to do all that he needs to do in you and to reflect it. In other words, don't just be someone who has head knowledge of Jesus Christ, but actually allow the Spirit of God to put Jesus in you. How many of you know that the Bible says that Christ in you is the hope of glory. It is the, the inworking uh, of the Spirit of God in you and then letting it become an outworking. In other words, it's, it's transforming from head knowledge only into working knowledge of Jesus Christ and, and walking with Jesus and, and going about your day in the power of Jesus Christ, not in your own power, but in him. That's what it means to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And too many people are putting on a show and not putting on Jesus. Too many people are putting on a show, a, a religious show, but I want you to know that, that division is being set in. Uh, as John the Baptist said, the axe is being laid to the root 
there's, a, there's a dividing line that is coming upon us, and, and we have to make those decisions about whether we're going to be for God or whether we're going to be socially acceptable, and it's going to cost you something to put on the Lord Jesus. And look at the, the, the next part of this verse. It says, And make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. You know how sometimes you can read that and pass it by, but making provision for the flesh is when you leave yourself an out. Making provision for the flesh is when you leave yourself an out. In other words, you, you may you know get close to a church or get close to the Lord, but then, you know what, they, they talked about alcohol, and now I'm just not giving that up. Well, what you did is you made a provision for the flesh. And you said if they touch that one issue, you're not going with them anymore. And, and so we make these little carve-outs for our flesh because we, want, we might want God, we might be intrigued by God, but there may be things in our life that we're not willing to let go of. Those are called provisions for the flesh. If you were... If, if you were going camping, you would make provisions. You would put in your backpack crackers or juice or whatever. You would have these provisions in your backpack. You'd be going camping, but along the way, you'd pull out what you needed. Well, in the same way, some people are not ready to let go of the flesh, so they have these little carve-outs of their provision for the flesh. They'll, they'll make little carve-outs so that when push comes to shove, when push comes to shove, the flesh will rise up. Now, one of the things that we know about the flesh is that the flesh is, is uh, the way that the enemy operates in our lives. If we are, are letting our flesh rule and reign, we are going to be susceptible in, in, in his hands. Uh, turn with me to Galatians 5. We'll look at something here about the spirit and the flesh. Galatians 5, look at the spirit and the flesh. Verse 16, Galatians 5, verse 16. Because some people say, well, you, know, you don't know what it's like to walk in my shoes. Well, nobody knows what it's like to walk in your shoes. But we know who God is, and we know that his spirit is enough for the needs that you have. We know that his spirit is enough for the needs that you have. Verse 16, this I say then, walk in the spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If, if you're willing to press in and let go and the Holy Spirit empower you, you will not have to depend on your flesh. You won't have to depend on worldly reasoning or worldly uh, uh, help, but you will be dependent on God. And so each one of us, Look, and this is for believers. You see, unbelievers are only walking in the flesh. But as believers, you have the Spirit of God within you. And the Spirit of God within you is victorious as long as you walk in the Spirit. But if you don't, you will begin to be led by the flesh. And, now, and we know that the flesh is there to destroy. Look at verse 17. The flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, here we see that there is just this, this war raging, uh, the flesh lusting against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and it, it causes you to walk in one or the other. And as I said earlier, there's this, um, this effort today to try to straddle the fence, to be socially acceptable to society on one side, and then also to try to keep your church going on the other side. And so we must come to that place where we decide whether we're going to be led by the Spirit of God or whether we're going to walk um, and be led by the flesh. And you can, and you know, this passage here is where you see the difference between the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. And, and, and the works of the flesh are so prevalent, you can turn on the news probably right now and see the works of the flesh on the news. 
You used to have things like adultery and fornication and hatred and, you know, all these things that are going on in the world today. All around us, the enemy is just swirling these works of flesh. And, and the enemy is poking and prodding people's flesh, trying to get them to quit, trying to get them to give up, and trying to get them to be envious of others, trying to get them to hate others, trying to get them to, to manipulate others. And yet the whole time, you know, if you're a child of God... You can walk in the Spirit and see the fruit of the Spirit at work in your life, and that is armor of light. That is something that this world needs to see. The fruit of the Spirit, you know, it's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. That's what the world needs more of. The world needs less couch talks it needs less coffee table talks it needs less um marvin gay in the church it needs less you know this kind of worldly music that's coming into the church it needs less of that kind of stuff and it needs more of the people of god walking in the spirit of god with the fruit of the spirit being manifest in our lives that is the light that people need to see and when you walk in the spirit of god even when the world is hating you and raging against you, the Spirit of God will rise up in you and give you the peace that you need for the hour, the strength to love those that hate you, and peace, peace that you need, and joy in going through whatever tribulations may come your way. The fruit of the Spirit, it's easy to bear when it's sunny and there's no issues in your life. If everything was hunky-dory and, and everything was perfect and you had, you know, food in the pantry and you had gas in your tank and you had, you know, a roof over your head and you had everything you ever wanted, it would be easy to be loving and joyful and peaceful. It'd be easy to have all those things. But it's when you're going through those hard times, when you're in the valley, when you're in the, the persecution, when you're in a, a period of suffering, that a true child of God will press into the Lord still, and the fruit of the Spirit will still be manifest in their life. And that light is what our world desperately needs. I want you to know that, that right now we need men and women who have courage to stand up for their convictions, we need men and women who will be empowered by the Spirit of God to, to, to not try to placate to the world, to not try to pontificate on things they don't know anything about. But we need men and women who are filled with the Spirit of God, who have courage of their convictions, who will stand up to the enemy and speak truth to darkness, to speak truth to a raging enemy. And, 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 and it may cost you. It may cost you, but, you know, hopefully things will turn around and things will begin to calm down. But I want you to know, uh, I, I believe that things are going to get worse, that it's going to get, there's going to be an increase. Jesus said before he returned that there's going to be wars and rumors of wars, kingdom against kingdom, nation against nation. You, and, and you see that going on right now. There's going to be pestilence. There's going to be famine. And these things, he said, are the beginning of sorrows. The beginning of sorrows, and Jesus likened it to a woman who is in childbirth, meaning that, that the closer you get to that child being birthed, which is the return of the Lord, the closer you get to that, the more frequent and the harsher these afflictions will be. And so we pray that it, it, it pacifies, but you know what? As children of God, we pray for the return of Jesus. And so we know going into it, when he returns, it's, he's going to return to a messed up place. And we must be faithful to the end. And you're not going to be able to do that in your own strength. If you don't have a, a solid, consistent prayer life, get it now. If you're not in the Word of God, get in it now. If you're not going and, 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 and you know, pressing into the Spirit and tarrying before God, the Bible says don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. That, that verb tense means an ongoing. Be ever being filled with the Spirit of God. Oh, friend, it is so important that we wait on God. It is so important that we take time 
and be patient before the king and allow him to speak into our lives. I was saying in our earlier service today, you know, there was a time and a generation before us this that, you know, they used to have all this list of demands and go to church and make a demand on God and, you know, go to that altar and tell God what you want. You know, I want a car and I want a house and I want a, a new, I want new clothes and I want this and I want that. And, you know, and none of those people that do that are ever satisfied with what God's given them, which is, you know, you, you can't have a heart of thanksgiving if you're unsatisfied and ungrateful with what God's already given. And, and, and that's one of the keys to walking with the Lord is being grateful with what God's done and who and what God's uh, given you. But yet we see a generation before us, they've, you know, they've taught people, you make a list and you go to God and you make demands on God and blah, 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 blah. And you know what? That's all well and good. You should tell the Lord what's on your heart. But we must also recognize and realize this might be a time when we need to sit at his feet and listen to him and listen to the voice of the Spirit of God so that we can get direction. So that, you know, I heard one old preacher say, so that we can get our marching orders. You see, we all the time busy at trying to, trying to make our own kingdom, trying to do what we think is right. But if we don't ever take time to sit at his feet and, and listen to the Spirit of God and let the Spirit of God empower us and fill us and refresh us and renew us and rekindle those fires of flames in us, if we don't ever take time to do that, we're going to, we're gonna, we're gonna miss it in these upcoming days. So with that said, I want to pray for you as we come to a close. Um, I pray that this message has helped you, has blessed you, uh, maybe even challenged you. And if that is the case, we certainly want you to know that we love you and we are praying for you. We hope that we can be a help to you. If there's anything that I can do to help you, uh, please let us know. And uh, with that said, we're going to close with a word in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to bring your word to your people. God, we pray you would bless it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Guys, we are having Bible study this Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. We're doing uh, a new thing where we're going expositionally through the book of Romans. So if you want to come join us, it'd be a great time uh, to do that. We're going to start in Romans chapter 1, verse 1. It'd be a great time to, to get deep in the Word of God with us, and we're going to build up our spiritual muscles. So if you want to come be a part of it, come be a part, and uh, we thank God for that.